Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Amen. Judges 21, verse number 19, starting. This is... And here's me, you know, saying a dozen things before I get into the scripture. But this is, by and large, probably a pretty obscure passage. All right. Uh, And with that being said, I'm probably going to have to work harder because it's an obscure passage. Because most people's not going to be familiar with what I'm about ready to talk about tonight. And as a result, that that requires more work on my part. It's going to require more work on your part to listen about something that you're probably not real familiar with. This is not David and Goliath. This is not Daniel and the lion's den. This is an obscure, what we may call an obscure passage. The Bible says in Judges 21, verse 19, Then they said, Behold, there is a feast of the Lord in Shiloh, yearly in a place which is on the north side of Bethel, on the east side of the highway that goeth from Bethel to Shechem, and on the south of Labona. Therefore they commanded the children of Benjamin, saying, Go and lie and wait in the vineyards. And see, and behold, if the daughters of Shiloh come out to dance in dances, then come ye out of the vineyards and catch you every man his wife of the daughters of Shiloh and go to the land of Benjamin. And it shall be when their fathers or their brethren come unto us to complain that we will say unto them, be favorable unto them for our sakes because we reserved not to each man his wife in the war. For ye, for ye did not give unto them at this time that ye should be guilty. And the children of Benjamin did so and took them wives according to their number of them that danced, whom they caught. And they went and returned unto their inheritance and repaired the cities and dwelt in them. Does anybody remember that as a Bible story in your Sunday school class growing up? Absolutely not. Does anybody even remotely remember reading that before in the Bible? Maybe some. Say if someone says, well, I've read the Bible through, so I know I've read that. That's right, but did you remember it? Yeah, exactly. Amen. This evening, if I could hone in on verse 23, but I'm going to tell the story. I'm going to be the narrator here tonight. If I hone in on verse 23, they basically told the children of Benjamin that there's going to be some daughters of Shiloh that's going to come out those some that are going to voluntarily dance at this feast. And you are going to be able to take from the daughters that dance, take them home to be your wives. And so the Bible says that they took them according to their number of them that danced. This will not make sense to you right now. I hope when we're finished it does. If it still don't then, then I'm in trouble. But I want to talk to us tonight about this. Dance as if your life depended on it. Dance as if your life depended upon it we need the lord to help us we need the lord to help us touch our minds amen keep us awake yes. on a wednesday amen and be attentive to the word of the lord father i come to you tonight god i'm grateful lord today for jesus your strength your love your mercy god for this gathering of people lord on this wednesday pray oh lord that you would help us lord jesus in the next few moments God, as we try to convey the word of the Lord, 
God, in this place, God, that you're able to minister to them. Help me, God, to be mindful, Lord, of your people. God, mindful, Lord Jesus, of this being, Lord, of midweek, God. And, Lord, I sense, God, there's tiredness of bodies and minds in this place. Pray, oh, Lord, you would help us in the next little while to overcome that. Lord, by your spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, that I pray, amen and amen. The church say amen. Amen. You may be seated tonight in Jesus' name. The book of Judges, the book of Judges ends with a couple obscure stories. Um, the things that we know about the Judges, or the book of Judges in particular, we, we would love to go to Samson. We are familiar with that. We'd love to go to some of the other more notable ones, Ehud and different ones, uh, Gideon. Go to those Judges' stories because we're familiar with them. But the last few chapters of Judges, probably starting around 18... 17, 18 onward, there are some obscure stories, and this is one of them. And this is just a section out of a very obscure story, just a section of it. To understand why we are where we are right here in Judges 21, please just indulge me for a moment to tell the story. If you want to get every, every dotting of the I and every crossing of the T, go home tonight, start around Judges 19 and read to the completion of Judges 21. But the story is on this measure. This is one of the uh, peculiar stories of Judges. The Bible tells of a story of a man who was a Levite, who had had a, who had had a concubine as it was, which a concubine wasn't his primary wife. It was just another woman that was in his life uh, that, that, that had some of the similar rights, but it was not his wife. The Bible says that that wife went, and she went back to her homeland of Bethlehem of Judea. Uh, she had played the part, the scripture says, of the whore uh, upon this Levite. Him, though, wishing to go get what was rightfully his, because you must remember women in this time frame were not as we would be women today. They were nothing more but a piece of property. And I'm not saying that in a degrading way. I'm just telling you the way that it was. They were just nothing more than a piece of property to them. And so he was going back to get what was rightfully his. And whenever he went back, he stayed there for several days, and there's a story within itself of how uh, the, 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 the father of this woman kept on having him stay and stay. Well, he finally got away from his father-in-law, so to speak, and he went on a journey back to his homeland, and as he was going, he come to understand and find out that he wasn't going to be able to make the trip all in one day, so he was going to have to stay somewhere. He was close to the region of uh, Jerusalem, uh, Jerusalem, though, at this time did not have Israelites in it. They did not have God's people in it. The people that inhabited Jerusalem at this time was a strange people. And so this Levite thought it not best to stay in Jerusalem since it would be strange people that they would perhaps be staying with. So they went a little different route to a place called Gibeah. Gibeah was in the tribe of Benjamin. And he thought that these are people of our kind. These are uh, Israelite people, so we would be much safer uh, to stay with some Benjamite people than we would with strangers. And so he went down to the city square as it would be, and as it would happen, this was just customary, that if you needed somewhere to stay, you went to the city square until someone said, hey, you want to go home with me? Amen. Wouldn't that be great uh, to be able to do that? If you didn't have a hotel motel, you just went to the city square. Maybe somebody pick you up, take you home, feed you. Uh, your animals, that's just the way things were. So he went down to the city square, and there came a man also that came in from a field that was not of that place. He was visiting the place as well or doing a stint of time there. And he said, sir, you can come home, you and your, your concubine, and you can stay with me. 
And so he goes home with this man only for not, not too much time to elapse. That The Bible says there were some sons of Belial there, which basically meant there were just Benjamites who were supposed to be God's people that were asking, knocking on the door, asking of the one who had taken this man, this Levite and his concubine in, said, send out this, this Levite that we might have our way with them. These were men that were wanting to do homosexual acts yes, sir. with this man who was a Levite. Not, not suffering for that to happen to the man. And remember them thinking of women as just property. Uh, the man said, well, I'll send out my daughter. And the Levite said, well, I'll send out my concubine unto you. And you can just have your way with them. And so as the story goes, they send them out. And they send that concubine out that belonged to the Levite. And all night she was taken advantage of by these men of Belial, these wicked men, these men, though, who were Benjamites. And whenever the morning came the next day, as the Levite is leaving to go on home, the Bible says that her hand is upon the threshold. She's sitting there with her hand upon the threshold, and he's just basically telling her, come on, let's get up and go. And that just shows you how crude the idea of women was. Let's go on and go. But he realized that she was dead. That these people, these Benjamites, these wicked vile Benjamites had taken advantage of her to the place that she was dead and he was irate. Because this is what the nation of Israel, he's a Levite mind you, this is what the nation of Israel has come to. The degradation, the debauchery of the nation of Israel. He goes back home, and I know this is kind of gruesome, but this is one of those obscure stories. He goes back home and he divides up that concubine. He cuts her in 12 pieces. 12 pieces, bone, he doesn't cut no bone, but seemingly at the joints, he cuts her in 12 pieces and then sends portions of that, those 12 pieces, dispatches them to the 12 different tribes of Israel. Is everybody doing okay? He sends them to the 12 different tribes. of. Now, now could have I started right in without me telling you this? Would somebody know what I was talking about? No. And so he cuts this woman up 12 different censors to the 12 different tribes of Israel. And whenever they get this, now this is bizarre. There's been instances of someone cutting up an animal and sending it to the 12 tribes. But this is a human being that is cut up that's been sent to the 12 tribes. And so they're irate. They want to know what this is all about. So no doubt they go to the Levite, the man who had done this. And he tells them his story. I was in a city. I didn't go to, to Jerusalem where there were strangers or foreigners. But I went to a city that was of our own people, of our own kind. And they took advantage here of my concubine to the point that she has died. And this was at Gibeah. And these were the Benjamites. Well, all the other 11 tribes are very much so upset to think that one of their brethren, so to speak, or some of their brethren would have done such a thing. And so they're going to take care of business. Here in the debauchery of the land that they fall into, they finally decide, you know what, we're going to take a care of business. The Bible says that they get, and I've got to hurry here. The Bible says that they get together. Well, you wouldn't get it, but nevertheless, the Bible says that they get together and they're going to go to war against the Benjamites. They go out a couple of times and the rest of Israel come with their, 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 their tail tucked between their legs. They have been defeated. But they go out the third time. They have talked to God. They have fasted. They, they have asked the Lord some direction and they go out the next time and they have set ambushments in the ways and, and the Benjamites come out from the land of Gibeah and as they have done so they overtake the city they burn it with fire they, they come against the Benjamites and they slaughter I think it is somewhere around 18,000 of them and they continue to slaughter a little further and there's about another 5,000 or so slaughtered but here is the tribe of Benjamin because whenever they went to war the whole tribe of Benjamin came together 
They try to make peace by saying, just show us who did the deed to the woman. We'll just take it out upon those two and it'll be done. But they were protective. They were protective of these men. So the whole tribe of Benjamin now is involved in this insomuch so there's such a great slaughtering against the tribe of Benjamin. They are left at the final end of the story with 600 men left to the tribe of Benjamin. That's it. That's all that's left. Six, thank you, brother. 600 that's left of the tribe of Benjamin. And so what we're looking at here. Is, is these are just 600 men, everybody say men, of the tribe of Benjamin. The children have been taken. There is no future generation of a little girl or a little boy. There is no women, whether married or virgin, that is alive. There's only 600 men that are left. And the Bible says they went and hid themselves at the rock which was called Rimmon. They went and hid themselves. They feel fearful. Why do you think they're fearful? For number one, what would happen if the other 600 would be taken? There would be no tribe of Benjamin anymore. There would be no existence of Benjamin. As a matter of fact, if you remember in the book of Genesis, whenever Jacob is speaking to the brethren of Joseph, he was faint-hearted one time whenever he thought that Benjamin might be taken away from the whole inheritance of the 12 tribes of Israel. And here is a moment in time that the tribe of Benjamin was on the very verge of extinction because there's only 600 men that are left. The Bible says after this great slaughter that the children of Israel come together to the house of God, the house of Bethel. They're making sacrifices and offerings. They're building their altar, which many times they built their altar made up of 12 stones, each stone representing the tribe. But as they're building their altar today out of these stones, they come to the understanding. There's Benjamin over in the rock of Rim, and one of our brethren is lacking today. One of our brethren is missing today. The Bible says that they begin to cry. They began to become very sad-hearted because there was one of the tribe, the, the, the tribe, if you will, of Benjamin was not represented. While they're putting their stones together, something that made them the nation of Israel and the 12 tribes of their father, there was one of them that was missing. And they thought to themselves, we, we got to somehow make this right. We got to correct this. They only have 600 men. What can we do about this? Well, as the story goes, whenever they had met for battle against the, the Benjamites, they had went to a city called Mizpah. And when they were at Mizpah in their moment of rage and anger, they had made a vow to God saying, God, none of our daughters shall be wives unto the Benjamites. None of them. And the Bible says when you make a vow unto the Lord, you pay the vow. You keep the vow. And so they're in a dilemma here. Benjamin only has 600 men. They made a vow to God that they wouldn't be given their daughters unto them. They have the law over them that says marry within your people. And so these 600 men, in essence, are cut off from the earth. They have no way of continuing their tribe. They have no way to have offspring. The boys are starting to think because they're saddened over the lack of Benjamin. And they start to think, what can we do here to, 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 to change this, to alter this? We can't reverse our vow. What can we do there? And the Bible says that they thought back when they were at Mizpah, 
because they made a vow then if there were any tribe or if there were any city of any tribe that did not come out to go to battle against Benjamin, then they should be cut off. And they started to think, think with me, think with me. They said, is there any city whenever we went to battle against Benjamin that did not go out and go war against them with us? Was there anybody? And as they began to do roll call and think about back at Mizpah, whether there was a city or not, they remembered that Jabesh Gilead, a city, that there was none of them from Jabesh Gilead that had come up and went to battle. He says, well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to get 12,000 men. I know this is rarely long. I have a point before it's all said and done. There's 12,000. He said, soldiers will send over to Jabesh Gilead. We're going to slaughter the men. We're going to slaughter the children. We're going to slaughter the wives. We're going to slaughter the women, except for the virgin. And we'll take the virgins from those people because they didn't come out to go to battle. We'll take the virgins from those people and we'll give them unto the Benjamites. Well, if it's a woman for a man, we're still We got 400 virgins, but we got 600 men. We are lacking 200 virgins in order that there would be total hope for the success of the Benjamite tribe. That brings me to our story. The boy said, how can we make up this difference of 200 that's still yet needed for these Benjamites? And the Bible says they begin to think of it. And they thought to themselves, you know what we can do? We can't give them our wives. But nothing says that they can't take wives. We can't give them to them, but nothing says they can't take them. And we know that there's an annual festival coming up soon at Shiloh. And we know what normally takes place at these festivals, that there are young virgins by their own voluntary will that go out and they dance and they shout and they do some type of celebratory dance because of the festival and the feast that is going on. And we're going to tell these boys right here, boys, if you'll be along the sides of the vineyards where these, this possibility of dancing can happen from the virgins of the daughters of Shiloh, whenever they're dancing, if you go out there and take them and take them home, They can be their wife. And if there's a father, if there's a mother, if there's a brother that comes saying something otherwise, we'll we'll deal with them. We'll let them know that they've not broken the oath of giving wives unto you because you have taken the wives. And so we'll satisfy all of this with that. But here is something vitally important for us today. The, 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 The key point for these men of Benjamin to know who they were to take was of the virgins or the daughters of Shiloh that would be dancing. Amen. Someone say amen. amen. And he, the Bible clearly told him, if I can just read again in verse 23, whenever Benjamin acted upon this, they took them wives according to their number of them that danced, whom they caught. And they went and returned to their inheritance and repaired the cities and dwelt in them. And so I could say through with certain regard at least two things, that the existence of, And keeping from the extinction of the whole tribe of Benjamin was contingent upon a couple things. Number one, it would be the virgins of Jabesh Gilead. But number two, it was dependent upon dancing virgins. The livelihood, the the continuation of the tribe of Benjamin could very well be dependent upon dancing virgins. Everybody say dancing Dancing virgins. Someone say amen. Amen. 
And so because these ladies, we see dancing throughout Scripture, the, the psalmist even commands us to dance as far as in our worship unto the Lord. Dancing a lot of times was associated with various things. We see that after they came through the Red Sea and it closed back up, but Miriam doesn't say that someone ordered her, but by her own voluntary admission, she came forth with her timbrel and she came forth with her dance. And there were other ladies that joined her in that timbrel, in that dance, because they were celebrating and joyful unto the Lord. We read concerning Jephthah, and that's another obscure story. We don't have time to go into it. But whenever he came back home after winning battle, the Bible says that his daughter came out to meet him, and she was dancing by her own voluntary act. Amen. Because of the military exploits that he had done. The Bible tells us at other places that Saul and David, whenever they came back from their great exploits in battle, as they came back, they were met by women by their own voluntary means that were saying David has killed or Saul's killed his thousands and David has killed ten thousands with dancing and with singing. We read over and over again in the scripture that this was the thing, that there was some power that women by their own volition would start to dance or start to sing and start to rejoice and there were a lot of positive things that was connected to that. And so these women here at the feast that's taken place, whether it's Passover, Tabernacles, we don't know for sure. These women at the feast by their own voluntary act are dancing and their dancing would be the indicator of the woman that the Benjamite should grab in order to further his lifeline someone say amen now listen to me if someone did a great deed for you you might want to show them a little kindness wouldn't you I mean, it's, I know we're not in the total, but it's not like we, you scratch my back, I scratch yours. But we do that, don't we? Right? We do that. I mean, where we read in the scripture in Esther how Mordecai exposed the plan, right, of taking the life of the king. Remember, it was recorded in a book. And the night on which the king could not sleep, the recorder was reading to him his own life. Because... As I always said, if you ever want to try to make yourself go to sleep, just look at your own life. That's good sleeping material. He brushed his teeth at 7 a.m. or whatever. You know, record everything that's there. And so as he began to read, he began to read this action of Mordecai. And whenever he learned of that, what did he ask? What has been done for Mordecai? Why? Because Mordecai had helped save the life of the king. And so the king wanted to turn around and pay due honor and due respect to the one who had saved his life. Right? I mean, here in the scripture, the women of Jabesh Gilead, the, the, the virgins were used, and also the dancing virgins were used for the purpose, in essence, of saving the life of the tribe of Benjamin. In so much that we read in scripture that later on whenever Saul was to become king that there was a certain point in time that the Bible says that he went unto the place of Gibeah and he went there with some men and as he went there with some men the Bible says Saul of Gibeah went there and gathered all Israel together at that place and he went, this is what Saul did, he went to rescue the inhabitants of Jabesh Gilead. Jabesh Gilead is where 400 of those wives for the Benjamites came from. Why did Saul do that? Well, he is Saul of Gibeah. Saul is a Benjamite. If there were not the salvation for the tribe of Benjamin, 
there would never be an assault. And so Saul's thinking in his mind, I'm going to pay them a respect and I'm going to go with the army. The army of Israel went against them before and somehow spared our lives by giving us wives. But I'm going to go now and I am going to spare their life. Why? Because somewhere in my past, they saved my life and so I'm going to turn around and now save their life. I'm going to show gratitude. I'm going to show some deference to them. I'm going to show some respect to them because at one point, point in time they saved my life someone say amen so the tribe of Benjamin was almost exterminated if it were not for these happenings there was one in God's house that was lacking the tribe of Benjamin someone say amen but here is where I want to get to I've already been up here for over 15 minutes if you'll go with me and this is a, this, we're going from an obscure to a very familiar passage. 2 Samuel 6. Because understand, if the Benjamite men were not saved with having wives, there would have never been another Benjamite. The apostle, the apostle Paul, that's even in New Testament scripture, he identifies himself of being of the tribe of Benjamin. There would have never been an apostle Paul. Had it not been for the saving of the tribe of Benjamin. Now look at this. This is very familiar. 2 Samuel chapter number 6. And let me read verse number 15. This is where David is bringing back the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem for the second time. And he is rejoicing. It is reason for celebration. He is happy. He believes as though there's great victory with getting the ark back to Jerusalem. And the Bible says, so David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of God with shouting, with the sound of the trumpet. And as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, everybody say Michael, Saul's daughter. Now listen to me. If Saul is of Gibeah, you hearing me? If Saul is of Gibeah, that original city, where loot fellows took advantage of a Levite concubine, where there was a destruction of the Benjamites. If Saul was of Gibeah, Michael is of that Benjamite line as well. And the Bible says, Here came David, Michael, Saul, daughter, looked through a window, and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord. And she despised him in her heart. Folks, there's a principle, overarching principle in all this. I'm not just talking about dancing tonight. There's an overarching principle in all of this. And that is that whenever we understand that David was dancing, which was unique, it was unique for a man to be participating in the dance, and particularly a king, that whenever David was dancing because the ark was returning to Jerusalem, and notice even where the ark is coming from. It's coming from Gibeah. It's coming from, it's coming from Benjamin, if you will, the tribe of Benjamin. And it's coming back to Jerusalem, that which at one time had been strange. And as he's coming, he is dancing. And Michael, Saul's daughter, sees this man that is dancing who is supposed to be her husband. If I can put it in terms like this, Michael, who is of the tribe of Benjamin, sees this man dancing 
dancing. And because of his dancing, the Bible says, and the way that he was acting, she despises him in her heart. But if you'll just think here with me for a moment, we must understand this. Had it not been for dancing, had it not been for the dancing of the daughters of Shiloh in the past, Michael very may well not be even on the windowsill today. Had it not been for the dancing of some daughters in a festival in the past, she may not even be sitting on a windowsill today. But the Bible says as she's sitting there and she sees David dancing and doing him his thing, that she despises him and particularly what he is doing in her heart. You know what Michael did in that moment? She despised the very thing that had brought her life in the past. In other words, dancing was largely attributed to the success and the continuance of the tribe of Benjamin. And she was sitting on that windowsill today because somebody was unabandoned, danced and was celebrating and joyful before the Lord. But now she's sitting on her little stool and she's despising the very reason for her being where she's at. She's despising the very reason, the very thing that had given her life right now in her presence. Someone say amen. And so what I'm trying to convey to us tonight is this. Don't you dare despise today what gave you life in your past. Don't you dare ridicule, look down upon with a long nose today. What brought you didn't have no hope back there. There was no guarantee of another generation. There was no guarantee of tomorrow. But because of that activity in the past that brought you life, don't you today despise that and ridicule that and back talk that. You need to be appreciative. long way just to say that but that's what I need to say today because there's people that's that's given second thought to some of the things that brought them life in the past you were dead in your sins you were dead in your trespasses you were dead in all of your known life there was no hope amen as far as you know concerning spirituality there was no hope but because something because Christ because God did something for you in the past it gave you life it gave you the capability and the ability of life and so don't you dare for a moment lay a finger or a charge amen to that same God and that same activity of Christ today that sustained you. Somebody hear me today. You know what Peter said? He spoke, and if there anybody that knows anything about despising and denying, Peter did. He was even told, Lord, Lord, I'm not, I'm not, I'll go to prison with you, Lord. I'm going to do it all. And he says, no, I'm sorry, Peter. Whenever the rubber hits the road, it's this. Before the cock crows, you're going to have denied me three times. But Lord, no, 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 yeah, yeah. I seen you was you was on your boat and you were fishing for fish, and I told you to follow me and become a fisher of men. But the very one that has made you that, you're going to turn around and despise. You're going to turn around and say, "I don't know him." 
You're going to turn around and And so Peter knows all about this denial process. He knows all about this despising the very thing that gave him life. Despising the very thing that gave him hope. And so he speaks up in 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 1. And he tells the church in that hour. He says, brethren, beware. Because there's going to come false prophets. There's going to come some people with a lot of flavoring speech. He said, there's going to come false teachers. Even in your day. And here's what they're going to do. These are people that even denying the Lord that bought them in other words they had no hope they had no future they could have no product or offspring God purchased them and now they're standing today in the present and denying the very one that saved them denying the very one that gave them life denying the very one that gave them hope someone say glory someone shout yes See, what, 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 what Michael should have been doing rather than on that windowsill, it was actually more so the responsibility of the women. Amen. In the feast and the festivals and whenever they had military exploits, it was more so the responsibility of the women to take the initiative, to be voluntary, to get out there in the streets of Jerusalem and dance and shout. But no, she was somewhere on a windowsill. Amen. You know what? Michael, you should be dancing as though your life depended upon it because it did. You should be doing something that indicates that your life depended upon. You wouldn't be here to offer anything had it not been. save an offspring help save a whole generation of people it brought us a Paul brought us a Saul brought us all the other Ehud that was a Benjamite all these other Benjamites that you can think of in scripture that it brought us because somebody somebody amen was willing to participate why is it that you'll take advantage of it when you need it but seemingly when you don't need it you won't save it I guarantee you that those 200 boys that were of the tribe of Benjamin could care less how those ladies looked as they were kicking their heels up at the festival. Matter of fact, consideration wasn't even considered or given to anybody that wasn't participating in the dance. It was of the daughters that dance, you take yourselves wives. They weren't even given consideration to how they may appear because of their dance. But generations later, the very same tribe that didn't take no consideration of how they looked are now considering how the dance looks when it's the very thing that saved them. Nobody thinks too much about the church or about Calvary 
or about what Christ did where we considered the benefits that we drew from it in our moment in our past. Nobody thinks about, amen, about it and, and don't think any much or low about it. They don't care what anybody else has to say about it because their life is dependent upon this moment. Their, their, their circumstances, maybe their family is dependent upon it at that moment. So they really don't care what's going on around them. There's a life and death situation right here, but you get in the church long enough and you forget where he pulled you from. You forget the pit that he dug out to get you and you forget about all these things and now we disengage and we despise the very thing honey what we need to be doing in our generation is dancing as though our, our life depended upon and again this goes beyond dancing but what I'm saying is this we got to somehow savor and be appreciative for that thing in the past that gave us life in the present Someone say amen. Amen. Yes. Huh. Saul, you as a Benjamite. Michael, you're a Benjamite. We wouldn't even be putting on the end of your name a Benjamite had it not been for the deed that was done years ago that saved your whole tribe. So with that in mind, you think there would be a little appreciation. With that in mind, you think there'd be a little regard. You know, it's not, it's not the king hearing the record of the book and say, Oh, Mordecai, Mordecai saved my life. Well, good for him. That's a nice gesture. Although I think sometimes with folded arms, we have that type of mentality concerning what Christ has done for us. Well, good for him. That's a nice gesture. Good job, God. We need to dance as though our life depended upon it because it if you understand with me, I'll come to a close. Just pluck a real obscure story out of the pages. <laughs> Let's not be found guilty of denying the very Lord that has bought us, purchased us by his own blood. Oh, Brother McGee, it's just really not all. It is all that. Because dancing in Scripture even had the power to bring life or death. Was it not Herodias' daughter that with a dance, although we know it more seductive and more vile, a dance, dancing at the birthday of Herod, he says, I give it to you, even to half the kingdom. That she finds out what the request is, a mom that's wanted. I tell you what I want, by and by, I want the head of John the Baptist in a charger. It brought death. Moses is coming down the mount of God with the Ten Commandments in his hands. He hears a noise over, over a prod. What is that? Is that the noise of war? Joshua and them are conferring back and forth. No. So that's, the, that's merriment. That's yeah. stuff that's going on. They get down there. They're dancing around a calf. And because of all this dancing, there comes then judgment from the Levites through the hand of the Lord. There's a plague and there's slaughtering of the sword. People are dying due to a dance. But the dance of these ladies would be the very indication to the men that those are the ones we need to take to our life, our wife. These are the very ones that's going to help sustain our lives and our tribe. So Michael, don't, don't despise what a few generations ago adored. 
Don't despise what men of past generations sought for and just hung on to the hinge to because what gave you life today is by this very same act that you see today that happened in the past. It's what sustained you. It's what brought you to where you are. I don't want to get so some quote-unquote mature in my relationship with God. I think I got this thing in a bag. I got this thing figured out. It's all good in this. I don't want to lose contact with my past and what was done in my past that enabled me to have a present. I don't want to get cocky and feeling like I'm better than that. No, no, I want to dance as though my life depended upon it. Can we bow our heads at this place tonight? Holy Ghost. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.